Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Eloy Jimenez has suffered a rupture of his left pectoral tendon. Uh, this is a injury that needs to be surgically repaired. Traditionally, the recovery period for such an injury is five to six months. That uh, does obviously vary by individual and we'll have more information in terms of a more specific timeline once the rehabilitation begins some point in the next eight to 12 weeks. Obviously a, a difficult loss for us. Uh, important part of our offense and uh, one that you know was a, was a bit of a shock to the system uh, at the same time uh, if there was one area of this team uh, that perhaps could withstand a, a significant blow it would arguably be on the offensive side of things and the run scoring side of things and we obviously move forward with every confidence in this team's offense going forward and look forward to Eloy potentially rejoining us at some later date this season. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob. And that was Chicago White Sox general manager Rick Hahn sharing the terrible news what left fielder Eloy Jimenez has suffered a ruptured pectoral tendon that requires surgery. And the initial timeline is he's out for the next five to six months. A significant blow to the Chicago White Sox offense and their chances of winning the American League Central in 2021. This is the worst kind of emergency podcast, but on this episode, we'll discuss the impact and ponder what the White Sox can do to fill in the void that Aloy Jimenez's injury leaves them. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and joining me now is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis, and as we record this on March 25th, the evening of... 
Uh, again, this has been a bad day. There's some terrible weather that's going on uh, in the southern part of the United States. We got tornadoes touching down, significant tornadoes uh, just outside of Birmingham, Alabama, obviously the double-A home of the Chicago White Sox. Charlotte is getting terrible weather as well. And in Nashville, Jim, it doesn't look any better right now as you are calling me by phone as it sounds like you have no power as we record this. Yes, I haven't had power since about 4 p.m. It's going about 9.15 now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in basically a pitch black room, laser focused on providing everybody some uh, scintillating Eloy Jimenez content. Yes. So I, I think we're all appreciative of that. So the bad day just continues to get worse uh, for some of us in the White Sox fandom. And, uh, you know, Jim, spring training was going so well. Nobody had a significant injury in weeks for the White Sox. Yasmani Grandal's knee was getting back to full strength. And then Jimmy Cordero's out with Tommy John. Liam Hendricks has kidney stones, and his availability for opening day is in question. And now Aloy Jimenez, trying to rob a home run that he wasn't close to catching, ruptured his pectoral tendon. We are six days away from opening day. What's your initial reaction to Jimenez's injury? Uh, crap. And and then worse words than that. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a costly one. Uh, if you look at the depth chart and just uh, the the lineup, and in terms of just you know we talked about it before. I'm, I'm I guess I can say I'm glad I uh, I would have bet the under on Eloy Jimenez's home run total for uh, 2021 because uh, I think you said at 38.5, and uh, hopefully it's not zero at this point. But uh, yeah, it, you know we talked about it uh, last time in the outfielder preview that you know he was the guy who looked like he could possibly have like the you know, if not a record-setting season, he had that potential just with the amount of power he has to all fields and his ability to put bat to ball as well. Like, you know, maybe a combination we haven't seen of both since, you know, maybe uh, like, you know, Magli or Donius, Frank Thomas, like that sort of era, just in terms of just the all fields power and the ability to put the ball over the fence anyway. I think uh, Jose Abreu has it too, but he's more willing to settle for singles uh, as well. Like Jimenez just has, you know, he's more, I would say, brawny. And to lose that out of the middle of the order, we looked like he was the fourth or fifth hitter. Um, and then having just really a mess behind him in the left field, uh, because part of the left field resources are going to right field now because Adam Engel is out. It's just, uh, uh, you know, we, we knew the corners are going to be kind of weak or tenuous, especially in right field going into the season. And to lose half of right field and now all of left field, it really uh, puts them up against the wall. Yeah, and the projections again for Eloy Jimenez, according to Zips, was 34 home runs and 106 RBIs that all of a sudden the White Sox have to find a way to replace as far as that type of projection uh, for their offense in 2021. And speaking as far as the offense, in his press conference, Rick Hahn said that he believes the offense can take a blow like losing Jimenez. Do you agree with that statement, Jim? Uh... No, or at least, you know, not when it comes to running with the Twins, I think. I think, you know, there'll, there'll be an average offense. Um, you know, without Jimenez, I think they project to be probably top five now. They're maybe middle of the pack, at least, you know, in, in my estimation. And just you know, the problem with losing Jimenez is that, like, when you lose a piece that big, it becomes harder to lose anybody else. Uh, I think that's what makes me worried is just, you know, we, we knew – I mean, we've been uh, pounding the shoe on the table basically the entire winter saying that uh, the White Sox should get more depth. The White Sox should get more depth. You know, they should have, you know, 
this is the opportunity to uh, go for it and you know have uh, like you basically just keep Andrew Vaughn, you know, block him at least for a year. You know, basically just put somebody in front of him, whether it's uh, DH, first base, left field, or you know whatever position has the excess, just to you know not make him necessary. But the White Sox spent opening day planning for him to be the DH. Like, okay, uh, so now who's the emergency bat? They don't have one, and now they could really use one. So I think you know maybe if they're able to go with all remaining eight hitters through the rest of the season with no issues, then yeah, maybe they're still like a top third offense in the American League. But just if they lose anybody else, you know, if Luis Robert gets banged up, if Yohan Makata gets hurt, you know, now then I think, think it becomes like a cascading effect to where just, uh, you know, who are they going to replace if Makata goes down? Who are they going to replace, you know, Robert with? Like it's just, mm-hmm. that's that's where the depth kind of, uh, I, I guess, exacerbates issues or, or makes every subsequent injury more exponentially harmful. So I think that's that's where I'm coming from to say, like, I'm not feeling as confident just because, you know, his idea, you know, when, when talking about, you know, I think uh, Scott Merkin had the quote saying that, you know, if um, uh, if Eloy goes out, they can replace him with Adam Engel, who looks good. He's like, yeah, but Adam Engel's currently hurt. Like, he's just replacing one injured right. guy with another injured guy. Like, that's they're basically their best idea besides Andrew Vaughn, who has never played left field in a game, you know, like a standard game. It's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a mess. And I, I don't share his optimism. And I think uh, that's nothing new. <laughs> We're going to get to the internal and external solutions for the Chicago White Sox and trying to fill this gap with Aloy Jimenez. But back on this topic, and I'm with you, Jim, I I don't know why Rick Hahn is he said it that was out of his entire press conference. That's the only time that I sense a, a, a self like a, like confidence that he believes the offense can pick up the slack that a injured Jimenez leaves for the white Sox. I, I don't buy that because Jimenez was one of your two hitters in this lineup that has proven to hit 30 plus home runs in a season. The other being Jose Abreu. Now you got one. And you're right, Jim. Like, Abreu cannot miss any action this year. Mankata cannot miss any action this year. Tim Anderson cannot miss any action this year. Luis Robert cannot miss any action this year. And if Grandal misses action, oh boy. You know, you got to start holding your breath. That's just in the offense. And the, the, the pitching we'll get to in a moment because ultimately the question now with Jimenez being out for the season... Uh, for most of the season, uh, if you're being optimistic, is that is this White Sox team still a playoff team? Well, we know that Pakoda didn't think highly of the 2021 Chicago White Sox, but Zips thought the White Sox could still win the American League Central, just barely over the Minnesota Twins. However, the latest Zips projection, now not having Aloy Jimenez available for five to six months, drops the White Sox from 88 to 84 wins. And how that breaks down, Zips believes the White Sox offense will score 795 runs. I think that's pretty optimistic without Aloy Jimenez. But the pitching, or at least run prevention side, Zips believes that the White Sox are going to allow 760 runs. And this is where the magic number comes up when you try to use as far as winning percentage expectation calculators. If you want the White Sox to win 90 games in 2021, they need to have a projected plus 80 run differential. So they need to score 80 more runs projected than they are projected to allow in 2021. 
And even in reality, if you outscore your opponents on a season by 80 plus runs, you have a great chance of winning 90 plus games in a season. So that is a good magic number with Jimenez now out five to six months, Jim. My expectation was the White Sox have three good starting pitchers. Let's see what Dylan Cease can do. And maybe the magic that Carlos Rodon has in spring training can carry over at least to the first half of the season. But this White Sox offense is the strength of this team uh, outside as far as the bullpen. And I thought this is an offense that could score 800 plus runs, 850 runs, as I said in the last podcast. But without Jimenez, I don't see how they score 800 runs. So if they're going to win 90 games, now this has a ripple effect and has even more pressure on the run prevention in the sense of Dylan Cease needs to figure it out. Because the White Sox, based on my calculations, uh, let's say if they only score 750 runs now in 2021, they can only allow 670 runs. And that is a pretty significant difference from their projected total that we're looking at before opening day. Yeah, I was thinking about it, you know, uh, seeing some of the uh, discussion slash arguments going on Twitter about, uh, you know, reevaluating the White Sox spending this offseason, wondering if uh, the closer was the best place to put the most money just because of, you know, how thin the lineup looks now, or at least the position player talent looks now. And, you know, I, I could see it both ways. I can see, well, on one hand, you know, you'd like to have that extra bat, and more uh, flexibility to have somebody to rotate in in left field. On the other hand, you know, it makes those marginal wins a lot more important now. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a case where just the Tony LaRusso's ability to mix and match uh, late inning options, second half of the game options, maybe not even late inning options, just maybe like inning six through nine. Uh, that might come to the fore and be way more important than it maybe was uh, before, uh, you know, say earlier in the week uh, when, when we thought Ella was like going to be ready for the season and possibly – uh, you know, gain some MVP votes. So it's, uh, I could see it both ways. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to place an emphasis on starting pitching health um, because that's another area where they have basically one ply, um, especially with Reynaldo Lopez starting the season at the alternate training sites and, you know, throwing 90 to 93. So he's not really a sixth starter option at this point. Uh, they're going to need all five starters. And they're going to need uh, pretty good health in the bullpen. They have a little bit of, that's like the one area where they can, uh, absorb a blow, um, but uh, you know, not too many of them because I think the marginal wins and, and the depth that they have in the bullpen goes from being a luxury to being probably something that's going to be needed to prop up the roster for, you know, maybe not like a, the majority of the season, but probably key chunks of it or key series. I believe the White Sox can still make the postseason in 2021 without Aloy Jimenez. However, I think it's got to be the pitching that needs to carry more of the weight here, Jim. Like the White Sox, you know, in my mind, yeah, they're going to put up five, six runs a game. uh, And, you know, they could win a lot of five to three, five to four games. Now I'm thinking this team needs to figure out how to win four to three, four to two ball games. The the run prevention side, both the pitching and defense has got to be good enough 
uh, to be one of the league leaders. And, you know, that's adding more pressure onto the pitching staff. And I think if you ask the leaders like Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, and Dallas Keuchel, and even the bullpen, they're up for the challenge. Yeah, we can carry this weight. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think that's where some of the weight will have to shift before we talk about the internal and external solutions for the White Sox offensively, is that if you want to be optimistic and you still believe the White Sox are going to make the postseason, there's a little bit more pressure on this pitching staff to really perform. And I think that they can, uh, especially in the bullpen. And it's a matter of how often does that bullpen get a lead to work with when they start working the sixth and seventh inning. And I, I agree with you. Then it gets to Tony yeah. LaRusso on how he navigates those waters. Yeah, the, the good news is that we've seen the Cleveland Indians basically do what the White Sox have to do. Right. Uh, get into the postseason with uh, half a lineup. You know, basically their lineup in, in the past couple of years is really good one through four, one through five sometimes. And then like the bottom half lineup was a mess. The outfield, there's no production there. So there is a template within the own division about how to get there. It just so happens that, you know, Cleveland's pitching development and, and the ability to uh, manufacture starters is basically unparalleled in the league, at least when it comes to the amount of resources and payroll they have. So that gave them a big edge. So you got to hope that with Ethan Cass there, uh, with Tony LaRusso there, just uh, a couple new, um, yeah, I guess, I guess new figures in the leadership ranks to hopefully have some effect on just getting better innings out of the top five and then also, you know, game planning better for the weaker links in order to cover for them better. And I was thinking about too uh, today, just thinking about, you know, what's going to be required to patch left field and uh, I guess the future of left field. And I guess, you know, while I'm, you know, I, I think Rick Renteri has got, uh, yeah, kind of the uh, a little bit of a raw deal, especially in terms of how they replaced him. Um, I'm kind of glad that he's not around for this year, just because I think this is going to be this is going to require a little bit more flexibility and creativity on the manager's part. And I think that's something that Renteria just you know maybe it was just the, the weakness of the rosters or the thinness of the rosters that. Uh, and in being on the player development side of the curve, uh, where he didn't feel like he really had the leeway to experiment or maybe he just wasn't that creative enough to want to experiment. But I think it's going to take somebody who, uh, you know, thinks about a little bit more is more willing to put guys in, in positions they're not used to uh, and, and, and has a history of, you know, setting expectations accordingly for uh, players who are just acclimating to new roles. And I think Larusa is better suited to that uh, than Renteria, just because when you look at uh, LaRusso's history, especially with some Cardinals teams that had injury problems, he was really good at finding utility players out of nowhere and, and, and getting them to patch holes in the roster that, uh, you know, basically look like uh, they might have a dead end. You know, maybe one of his greatest seasons as a manager goes back to 2006 with that St. Louis Cardinals team. They were 83 and 78. They won a terrible National League Central and they went on to win the World Series. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Jim. Maybe this is, you know, another silver lining in this for a White Sox fan looking for hope, looking for confidence is that, yeah, it is a good thing that Tony Russa is now the manager because he's had to go through this path before and he has been successful in ultimately winning a championship when a lot of people thought there's no way that St. Louis is going to get out of the first round. They only won 83 games and then, of course, they upset the Detroit Tigers, bunting them to death in the 2006 World Series. So that that's a really good point. So as far as the White Sox, I, as a fan, you should not lose out all hope that this team – 
can't make the postseason. There is a path that they can make the postseason, and I think it would require the pitching staff to pick up and share some of the load and perform, which adds a little bit more pressure to them, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal for the unit. But for the offense, there was questions about the designated hitter role, and now there are questions about left field. Projected-wise, the White Sox were projected to get 60 home runs and 190 RBIs from these two positions. Andrew Vaughn was looking to be the primary DH on opening day. And the internal solutions for left field, it's tomorrow as far as uh, the next day on March 26th, the next time the White Sox play a spring training game, Andrew Vaughn is going to left field. Now, Jim, I there's a part of me that watched Andrew Vaughn at Cal leading up to the Major League Baseball draft to learn as much as I possibly could about him. And everybody that watched Cal and watched Andrew Vaughn said the same thing when asked if Vaughn could play other positions. No, because his foot speed (laughs) is not good enough to play in a corner outfield spot. The arm is, and obviously he can catch the ball if it's near him, but he can't get to it. He just doesn't have that level of athleticism that you could have confidence that he could be in a corner outfield spot. But in trying to make up for the loss of Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn left field. I I think this is a bad idea, and the White Sox are asking a lot from Andrew Vaughn, which we'll get into a moment. But what do you think about Andrew Vaughn left fielder for the 2021 Chicago White Sox? Well, yeah, I'm of two minds. I think you know. Let, let's just I guess talk about the physical tools first. It's like uh, yeah, he's 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 slow footed. He's not going to run down balls and you know, like I kind of uh, I'm not looking forward to the first ball that splits the gap if and when Luis Roberts ever allowed to shift towards right field, just because it t- could take a while for somebody to come within the camera frame. So that's a little bit uh, <laughs> uh, discouraging. On the on the other hand, you know I remember. You know, during interleague play, uh, when during the Adam Dunn era, watching him play left field and, and you know, watching him track down a ball in the corner was like watching him try to uh, uh, not scare a stray dog. <laughs> Very hesitant, you know, taking the most generous angles, not really uh, in a uh, in a hurry and also not wanting to decelerate too quickly. So um, it, it just wasn't a lot of fun to watch in any kind of reasonable, uh, you know, Thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like Diane Vicieto too, watching him in left field. That wasn't a treat. So I guess, you know, we've seen lesser out, you know, lesser players try to handle that spot and we've endured it. So, you know, perhaps the bat's a little bit better. Maybe we can live with it. Uh, I think my apprehension is more just, you know, another thing to add to his plates. Uh, just, you know, he's already heavy. Uh, pretty immense task of, uh, you know, being in the opening day lineup despite never playing a standard game above you know, high A. And even in high A, he didn't really, you know, he didn't light up Winston-Salem. And that's an entirely different set of circumstances. We really can't apply those numbers. And, you know, watch him in spring training, you have an idea. You basically know that he has an idea of what he's doing. It just may take a while for him to make his impacts, but I think he should hang in there okay. But, just, you know, just another thing to add to his plate. And I think it's, you know, not the, not the fairest thing to him. <laughs> you have to uh, throw on, uh, you know, defensive expectations on top of, you know, what he's going to try to do offensively. I think maybe the one thing is, you know, maybe he's so, maybe his lack of speed in left field will help him avoid getting injured. I think that's really what 
led Jimenez to maybe run himself into a bad situation uh, with that home runner tender is that, you know, I've, uh, we've talked about and I've read about before with Jimenez's defense. It's just he's fast enough to where he should make more plays than he does. And I think he wants to prove that he could make more plays than he has. So that puts him in the position where, you know, he's going to try to make maybe the unwise play in order to show he's capable of making plays. I think, you know, Vaughn, if he's that slow and if he's that unsure, you know, perhaps he'll not have that confidence to make the diving attempt he shouldn't make or the awkward sliding attempt or go crashing into a wall if he doesn't know where it is. Maybe he'll, maybe the the self-preservation instinct will be a bit stronger there, but that's really, I guess, the silver lining I'm grasping for. Yeah, I think you put it well, Jim. Andrew Vaughn has a lot on his plate. He, again, he's never faced double-A pitching or better. He was asked to carry the load as a primary DH to start the 2021 season. And he might now be the the option the White Sox roll with on opening day uh, to play left field. And the reason we're talking about this, again, if the White, the White Sox have two strategies here. They could either try to replace the offensive production of Aloy Jimenez by having Andrew Vaughn, a gifted hitter, play left field, and then have Zach Collins, who has been performing really well in spring training offensively, be your primary DH and hoping that Vaughn and Collins can make up the gap and the loss of Jimenez offensively. The other option is just have Vaughn be the DH and focus your outfield on run prevention to help the pitching staff, again, to help your run differential. And this is where we can consider Lurie Garcia as the opening day left fielder. And I think for a lot of White Sox fans, Jim, they would feel a lot more comfortable having Lurie Garcia as the starting left fielder on opening day because you can trust him defensively. He's obviously not going to provide the power numbers that Aloy Jimenez uh, would have uh, if he was in the lineup, um, but you know he's not terribly offense on the offensive side either. And again, on defense, you can count on him to not embarrass himself in left field. Yeah, it, it's. I think that's the safest option. That's the option we, I, I guess, we're most familiar with. So that's it's okay. I mean, we basically saw that in to some extent at least during the uh postseason series against oakland just because uh you know jimenez wasn't able to go uh with a knee injury so yeah it's something we're used to and i think that's more or less fine it's just it's gonna hurt a little bit against uh you know just i i think with the maybe until adam angle comes back i think it's gonna hurt just because i think really the 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 plan was optimized for jimenez and left robert and center then the Adam E platoon in right field, the Ohio Adam E platoon, because <laughs> uh, they, have, they have so much in common. But now with, uh, you know, Eaton there and then maybe having to play against lefties with Garcia and left is just, that's nothing's perfect, but at least that's a credible major league outfield, both, you know, I, I would say, especially defensively. And then, you know, uh, Garcia has the ability to get hot once in a while, at least with his left hand. So he's a better right-handed hitter, but at least, you know, he's, he's had enough experience standing in his lefty at least not be, yeah, I guess just to say we know what he mm-hmm. is and, and there's some comfort there. Right. But I don't know. Do you think he could be a league average player as the everyday left fielder? Does that sap as far as LaRusa's flexibility within the roster? Because again, the expectation was that Louis Garcia was going to be your super utility guy to help provide depth 
on your team, both in, in a pinch, in the infield, and in the corner outfield spots, maybe a game or two in center field. But now if you're counting on him to be your everyday left fielder until maybe Adam Engel returns from his strained hamstring, I mean, is does that open the door for like Billy Hamilton and Danny Mendek to be on the 26-man roster just to be there in a case of, in a, of a pinch again if somebody else got hurt during a game? Uh, yeah, I would add Nick Williams to that list too because at least he's had uh, at least one decent half season under his belt in the major leagues. Uh, yeah, it's well, uh, to answer your first question, I think he had, uh, there's really no hope of him being uh, average left fielder just because we saw him play basically every day in center field and he couldn't quite cut it there. So when you shift the defensive expectations or at least the defensive burden down a little bit and put more stress in the bats, the bat's not going to live up to it. Garcia really, when playing to his strengths, is somebody who's great at filling in a bunch of positions and can step in for a week here or there, and you don't feel bad about it. But uh, you know, 120 games or more at one position is really where you know the the, the weakest way you can possibly deploy him. But you know, there, there just may not be a lot of choices. They can't get Billy Hamilton. You know, that's fine, but also doesn't really add anything to Garcia. Doesn't add. I mean, if you have Hamilton left, he's probably great if you have Garcia left he's good and, and the offensive difference between the two washes out to where it doesn't really matter so I think they're probably better off with Garcia and left I would say maybe Garcia Vaughn kind of rotating between left field uh, kind of gauge how Vaughn is doing out there and, and see if because I think the, the key is with Vaughn is give him a couple shots but don't embarrass the guy because uh, I think mm-hmm. with Nicky Delmonico, when, when he was put in left field, he was pretty rough early on, but then he shaped into something adequate. He wasn't good, but he was fine. Like he didn't, he, you know, he had some really embarrassing errors early on. I remember Boston really being uh, uh, just, just hell for him, Fenway Park's left field and, and, and making all, all sorts of miscues. But he eventually settled into something resembling average to where like Eloy Jimenez out there was worse than Delmonico. So I think the you know the key is with Vaughn to have a little bit of patience, but also just you know if he needs if he needs a caddy, do it. If he had a rough game, don't put, you know maybe put him back out there if you think it's good, but also just like don't embarrass the guy. <laughs> I think that's going to be the uh, key. Uh, you know maybe if Vaughn has a couple of easy games, uh, maybe you know you feel the confidence to keep going until he hits a wall, or or you know, maybe literally or figuratively in that case, <laughs> you need to recalibrate. Uh, but ultimately, I think there might be enough there, especially, I think, you know, two things I think make that work. One is if Adam Eaton can resume being an everyday player. I think last year was the first year where he looked like somebody who couldn't handle lessons. Other years, it came down to health. Um, so, you know, if, if he's somebody who can be stand in against lefties, maybe at the bottom of the order, then I think that maybe takes the stress off left field and allows the platoon that you're going to put in right field being left. So that's one thing that can maybe make it easier. The other thing is Zach Collins. And, you know, I think nobody's necessarily thrilled about Collins, but as we talked about before during the catcher preview, he is not striking out this offseason or this spring training. And that's new. And that's at least worth a look. And I think if you're going to give him – you know, at least two to three weeks worth of at bats to bounce back from failure and to see if he can adapt. This would be the time to do it because uh, uh, there aren't a whole lot of ways to gain from this step, but that might be the one, the most beneficial way to give somebody time who deserves it. Again, the Chicago White Sox and the Minnesota Twins do not have their first series against each other until mid-May. So let's say that gives Rick Hahn four, five weeks to see if the internal solutions can hold their ground at least through the month of April before trying to find 
somebody else if it's too rough at left field or injuries start to mount up. Right now, your available external solutions, and I say available as they are currently free agents, but in the upcoming days, as we get closer to opening day, this list may grow. But you have Jonas Suspidis, who's still a free agent, but the rumor is is that he wants a multi-year deal, not a one-year deal, not a minor league deal, a multi-year deal. Uh, Ryan Braun is contemplating retirement uh, if Milwaukee doesn't want him back. Uh, Matt Kemp, uh, former Dodger, Red, a Colorado Rocky. Uh, Josh Reddick, somebody that we were very fond of a few years ago and one of the White Sox to braid in, uh, is still a free agent. Old friend, Melky Cabrera, is a free agent. Hmm. And uh, back to the Rockies pipeline, Carlos Gonzalez is a free agent. Another popular answer from White Sox fans, especially on Twitter, is Yasiel Puig. The problem with Puig right now is that he's being investigated by Major League Baseball for sexual assault allegations. And I know team in Major League Baseball is currently touching him at this moment because if you do sign him and Major League Baseball finds in their investigation they have cause to suspend him, well, you just signed a player that may not be able to play for 30, 40, or 50-plus games based on the allegations. So I don't think Yasiel Puig is an option for the Chicago White Sox or for any team for the external solutions that I have listed that are currently free agents right now, as we speak, Jim. And again, this list can grow as there will be cuts uh, or, you know, veterans opting out of their minor league deal to test free agency to see if they can, you know, get another job elsewhere. Anyone draw your attention that you think, yeah, the white Sox should go after this guy to replace Eloy Jimenez. Well, the, the, the obvious one is Ioannis uh, Cespedes, uh, just because he had the showcase where he, you know, got you know, pretty good reviews, you know, given that's just a showcase and you can't really get carried away with uh, just uh, you know, projecting too much. But at least he could say, like, well, he's healthy and, you know, he's dynamic when he's healthy and he just needs a team that can give him plate appearances that really have no better options and he can play his way into shape. But you know, that was uh, a few weeks ago, and he hasn't had a contract yet, so I don't know what that means in terms of whether teams are waiting for their rosters to shake out, if Cespedes is waiting for an opportunity like perhaps this one to decide where he goes to get the most major league playing time, or uh, you know, if it just that was overblown or maybe agent-driven and uh, teams weren't as impressed as they initially let on. So that was the first thing I thought of. Uh, I guess the other situation I'm monitoring is with the Yankees because I guess they have to uh, – uh, they have a crowded outfield, and I guess the decision is coming down to Jay Bruce and Mike Talkman um, because uh, Talkman had a bad year last year and is limited to uh, you know, corner work. Bruce is uh, – you know, he's 34 now, and he'll uh, – you know, he's coming off a few rough seasons, but I guess he's having a good spring, looks rejuvenated, and, and – has an opt out in his uh, uh, minor league free agent contract. So, you know, perhaps it's one situation if one of them shakes loose to give him a shot. I think I'd be a lot more excited about talking just because he's a lefty who even last year, you know, when he had a rough year slugging wise, he didn't Homer last year and 111 uh, plate appearances, he still got on base 342 clip. You know, he has 361 OBP the year before. So, you know, he at least gets on base from the bottom of the order. He's lefty. You can you can rotate him in and out. Like, that'd be more or less fine. So, 
that's one situation I'm looking for. And maybe with Menes being out, maybe that's something to where, like, you know, uh, Rick Hahn and Brian Cashman can strike up a deal for uh, Talkman just so the Yankees get something from him. I think he also has, like, at least three or four years of control. So should he be good? Uh, he's an older free agent, a late bloomer. And, you know, it's a case where uh, he might be worth acquiring if, uh, you know, there's a buy low situation or, or there's a little bit of stress for the Yankees to try to get something for him. We'll wrap up this emergency podcast with a question that I think White Sox fans are asking aloud. What now? What direction do you think is best for the White Sox? I guess two parts here to start the season and then what direction they should go after the month of April. Well, I would say, you know, I, I, I do like the Talkman idea. So should that be possible somehow if the Yankees don't want to retain him or rather get something for him and keep Bruce, then I think I would go with that just because lefty bat plays the corner and, and, and you know, there, there's no real help on the horizon for the White Sox in the corner outfielder from uh, their internal options that I would just go with him and, and have the depth for once, <laughs> you know, should, should Adam Eaton, you know, have a nice dead cat bounce. And if uh, Adam Engel uh, looks good for a platoon with Larry Garcia, like still, you could use a guy like Talkman on the roster somehow. So I think that would be the first option I would keep it out for after that. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, you have Tony La Russa, he's a hall of famer. If this is going to work as a manager, if, if this is the reason they've, they, they've talked themselves into it or if they've resigned themselves to it one way or another, like this is uh, the benefit of having somebody like him is he's seen everything. He's had roster crises for, you know, probably many of his uh, 30, 40 seasons in the major leagues. So, you know, let him do his work. Let him figure it out, I guess, you know, this is the case where having a Hall of Fame manager, this is a, a there's there there are a few unique benefits for the situation. So you may as well uh, indulge yourself and, and let it play out. Uh, try to just kind of uh, stay calm about it and see what ideas he has. Because uh, I think you know maybe if they were going if they had Rick Renteria, you wouldn't feel confident in him. If AJ Hinch, uh, you know, should should the White Sox have hired him? Like I don't know if he'd be as equipped. Like <laughs> this is the case where. Well, Russo's wealth of experience probably has some things he can draw on and, and experience for playing guys out of position and asking a lot of guys who uh, have never had that much asked of him. I, I think uh, here's one case where it could pay off. So yeah, and that's where I'm I'm kind of at right now. Try for an immediate solution if it makes sense like Talkman. If not, you know, if Cespedes is healthy and, and really good and, and, and he's the reason why he hasn't signed yet, uh, give him another look. And then if uh, those two are not available or, or not feasible or just not as good as perhaps agents were making them sound, then, yeah, just perhaps experiment, rotate guys in and out, see if the rest of the offense can carry the load, see if the pitching is better than advertised, and then probably, you know, after, after the end of three or four weeks, evaluate from there. We thought that starting pitching would have to be maybe Rick Hahn's number one midseason shopping target as far as to find another starting pitcher to help round out the rotation, just in case if Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon could not carry the load. And if Dallas Keuchel's back starts barking up that you can give yourself at least some insurance. But I think it's pretty clear now from this point all the way to the end of July, Jim, 
should White Sox fans just be paying attention to see how quarter outfielders are performing because the White Sox are in the market. And I don't think the goals internally within the organization are going to change that. They're still aiming to make the postseason. I think, you know, with the way the roster is, you know, it's, it's a one ply roster basically across the board, except for the bullpen. That, uh, it could be a lot of things <laughs> depending on uh, who gets hurt, who, uh, who's underperforming, who's just, uh, uh, you know, maybe getting a little older. You just, you just don't know, but just there aren't a whole lot of internal solutions, which is why I really wanted Andrew Vaughn to be the, uh, you know, emergency bet to, uh, you know, break glass in case of guy. Uh, but, you know, with him penciled in, you know, already before the injuries, it's just uh, now it's uh, hold your breath. <laughs> because uh, uh, I, I guess the good news is the White Sox have had more talent than in previous years to where, you know, I imagine in previous years, like say, like, you know, maybe the 29th year when they're trying to sign or try, finishing second for Manny Machado and if they signed him, maybe had an outside chance. That's a case where like one injury, like, okay, they're done <laughs> next year. But in this case, yeah, there is enough talent this year to where, like they can still win, they're still projected for like 85 wins, and from 85 wins you can get to 90, low 90s with good luck alone, and then maybe you know there's there still some upside in the roster to explore. So they're not doomed. It's just more of a matter of you know they they go back to the top. Just with the lack of depth, they just really can't. Like this is I think the one big blow they can absorb. Next one could be a knockout punch. For opening day, if I had to make a guess, I think we're going to see Andrew Vaughn in left field, and I think we're going to see Zach Collins as the DH, Jim. Yeah. That's that's what that's what my gut is feeling right now, that we're going to see an opening day against the yeah, Angels. I think Dylan Bundy is starting for Anaheim righty, so yeah, yes. I would say, like, yeah, with a righty on the mound, that's probably right, unless Vaughn just looks completely lost between now and then. And again, Andrew Vaughn in this spring training game on Friday, and I'm sure for the remaining spring training games for the White Sox before opening day, uh, will be playing left field. So we'll see on how he does. He did not play this position in college. I don't know if he played it at all in high school. There are rumors that he tried practicing in Schaumburg last year at the alternate site in the corner outfield spots. So we'll see, but this is the position that the White Sox are in as far as with the internal solutions, and we'll cover as far as if there's any rumors or moves made by Rick Hahn prior to opening day, if there are any external solutions that the White Sox could add, because I just don't feel like they have a lot of confidence in Billy Hamilton or even Nick Williams to carry uh, the left field starting spot. Uh, with Jimenez being out. So we'll see on how this rotation goes, but there's still hope, White Sox fans, that this team can win the American League Central or make the postseason as a wild card. There is still a path to do so. The season is not over yet on March 25th. But it was not a good day. Hopefully tomorrow it will be a better day and the White Sox can avoid more injuries as we inch closer to opening day next week. That will do it for this Emergency Socks Machine podcast. Thank you, everyone, to listening uh, to this episode. Our next episode, we'll be giving out our 2021 season predictions. We'll give you a date and time when that new episode will be released. As again, I am in the midst of moving. There's so much transitioning going on on our side. 
It's absolutely crazy. So if the White Sox want to calm down with the news items, that would be wonderful. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine, where we'll have more videos throughout the season, including Sox Machine Lives, where we both video and audio format. And the Sox Machine podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.